Hey, Kelly, it's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. The rapid fire of questions I have for you is, if you were the governor for five days in North Carolina, what would you do? I think that's an excellent question. I think the first thing I would do is actually travel across the state and listen to the citizens um, travel to places that I typically maybe don't always go to, to really, and I, and I think our governor actually does a very good job of that, but I think, you know, really listen to what their concerns are um, and bring my leadership team with me so that we can come back and develop policies that's going to address the needs um, of the people in the state. Because I think the most effective legislators are those that always stay connected to the members that elected them. Can you think of one important policy you might be working on if you were the governor? Well, I think in this day and age, I think um, the economy is first and foremost on everybody's mind. Um, fortunately, we live in a state that that is very um, attractive right now to companies, but I think we need to continue to make sure that our policies are continuing to support that growth um, in the state. Okay, good answer. If you had the choice to change one government process, what would you change? Um, wow, that's a challenging question because obviously our government was developed, you know, to have three branches um, on purpose, right? Um, I think I'd probably take a look at um, maybe the redistricting process. You know, it varies state by state. Um, but I think we always got to assure that our redistricting process um, reflects the makeup of the state. And I'm going to ask you a very naive question. When you said three branches, uh, can you please tell me what those are and and what do you mean by redistricting, pro redistricting process? Yeah. So in terms of the three branches, I mean, obviously, there's the executive branch, there's a legislative branch, and then there's the judicial branch. Um, you know, with the idea to really have that fair balance of, of powers. Um, I think in our state, we especially have that because the governor is kind of limited in terms of his ability to, to issue executive orders, which puts um, a great deal of, um, I guess one would say power to the legislative branch. Um, and then our courts, you know, are of course elected in the state of North Carolina. So our judges and so, um, so all three branches, though, are, are supposed to, you know, create a balance um, in terms of the redistricting process. You know, obviously, that process can become political at times, um, one way or the other, depending on who's got the most influence in the legislature. And so um, I think that that's a, a process that maybe over time uh, we might need to visit. OK, cool. I'm going to switch gears on you. Um, do you have any favorite destination spot? My favorite destination spot is Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, and the Teton National Park. I think it's one of the most beautiful, um, beautiful parts of our country. We have incredible, um, beautiful places in this country and to visit, but I would say that's probably my favorite I've ever been to. In the summer. I like it in the summer. In the winter, it's a little cold and a little snowy. Um, but I don't think there's a more, a more beautiful place in this country. And do you have a favorite book or hobby? 
my favorite hobby actually is um I like being I live on a big lake so I like being out on the lake and and boating and um really just spending time with my family nice and um do you have um any idea as to what would you do if you weren't a lobbyist if I was not a lobbyist um I initially had actually started um going down the path of child psychology that was my initial um path uh, obviously I I took a hard right turn at some point um so I I think if had I not gone down the lobbying path I maybe would have done something in that area why I mean do you like child psychology how did you get into it well that's what I went off to college to do initially and um I do. And I do think that, you know, if we don't get the children, and especially now we've got such a such a focus now on children's behavioral health. And I think we're starting to see that in our schools and, and in um, our community, and they are our future, and they are the future of this country. And so I really enjoyed working with the children and the parents and um, I think that that, you know, if I was to volunteer someday uh, more, I think it would probably be in that area. Hmm. What was the best compliment you ever received? You know, I heard something recently that sometimes the best compliments you you hear are the ones that were indirect. In other hmm. words, somebody told them to somebody else who's telling you. Um, and when I used to work in DC, I worked, um, with a U.S. Senator who, who just retired last year, but worked really closely with him and got to know him and his family and have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a person, as a father, as a grandfather, as a husband. And one of his staffers told me, you know, she's one of the good ones, isn't she? And to me, that meant the world coming from him. But also because um, I think it was more a comment about our relationship that we had built and the trust um, and the integrity that that um, we had for each other, respect we had for each other. Uh, so that compliment meant the most to me. Nice. How would you define government relations in one sentence? Government relations um, is policy development and implementation. Nice. If you had the opportunity to change the world, what would you change about it? I would actually get us back to a better sense of community, um, both locally and more broadly. I think um, we've maybe lost sight of some of that. And so I think if I was gonna do anything, it would be how do we encourage um, a better sense of community? amongst one another. Nice. And what inspires or motivates you to be doing what you're doing? You know, what inspires me the most is to see the impact that it has on, um, on people. So I think, you know, when you choose to enter government relations, really make sure that whoever you're advocating on behalf of is a cause you truly believe in. And I can't think of some anything more personal than healthcare. And so what inspires me is when we're taking making policies that are going to create access and affordability to, um, to Amer for Americans. Hmm. What is the one skill you think every lobbyist should possess? Communication skills. 
both verbally and orally, um, relationship skills are incredibly um, important and in any profession, but particularly in government relations. Right. And do you think these skills can be developed? And how would you do it? I think the skills can be developed, but I think they got to be developed earlier. Um, I think it's very hard to teach somebody in their you know, mid to late 20s communication skills. I think that's something in relationship skills. I think that starts um, at a very young age. Hmm. And what about relationship skills? Well, it's the same thing. I think relationships, um, what people, I think, sometimes misunderstand about relationship development is it's an investment, just like it is in your personal life, your professional life. Those relationships are an investment. Um, I think sometimes I've seen lobbyists go to people only when they want something. I think the best thing is to invest in that relationship early. Think of them as how best can I be a resource to them? And constantly be being that resource so that, you know, you're not just coming in when you actually want something. Yeah. Okay. What is the hardest part about your job? I think the hardest part sometimes is the fact that you're, you're not in complete control of, of your situation or your time. Right. I mean, you're, you're really at the, the mercy of the legislative calendar. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of external factors that you got to learn to navigate in order to be successful. Hmm. So in your career, I'm pretty sure you would have had a lot of highs and lows. Um, more importantly, I would like to know, did you, did you do any mistakes or any learnings which you would like to share, which you kind of, you know, learned something from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, you know, you can't be successful without mistakes, right? Because you don't take risks if you're not willing to make a mistake. Um, so I think, I think honestly, the biggest mistakes I've ever, I ever made in my career was um, not knowing when to move on to the next phase. So it's not even necessarily specific to, um, to, to government relations specifically, I think it was, you know, I should have, I should have moved on from the situation I was in earlier than I did. Um, you know, you should always be looking at, um, you know, where is that next opportunity for you and, and, and know when that situation you're in right now is no longer going to serve you or you've maximized what you could get out of it. And um, is there a way you can know? when to get out of a specific situation? I mean, how would you know that the, the situation which you're in is it's time for you to move on? I think when you've um, realized that you're no longer going to grow in this situation, you're no longer being challenged in it, um, and that you're ready for that next step. I think sometimes, you know, people keep wanting for that opportunity to come to where they're at instead of going to where it is. Hmm. Good answer. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Dead or alive? Um, well, my first would be my father, who we lost two years ago. Um, I think one would be my grandfather because he served in World War II. He had nothing. He came here from Germany, I think, when he was five. 
Um, and he was a, um, he was a, um, you know, he, he only had an eighth grade graduation or excuse me, eighth grade diploma and yet managed to go on and build businesses for himself and for his family. And I wasn't until after he passed away that I, I felt like I learned things about him. I wish I could have asked him about while he was still alive. So I think that would be, um, a second person. Um, and then I think the third would be probably Jesus. Wow. That's, that would be an interesting. That's a high bar. (laughs) (laughs) Not at the last supper per se. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And well, the last question I have uh, for the rapid fire would be, um, if you had the time capsule to go back in time to any era, which era would you pick? I think the fifties. And why? Um, I think that the the optimism of the country at that time was in the patriotism that was there. And I think the advances that were taking place at that time would be something to experience. Good answer. Let's go a little bit into your past. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about where did you grow up? Uh, How was your childhood like? And did you have an interest in politics or policy when you were growing up? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Loveland, Colorado, uh, the sweetheart city, as it's known as the home of the official Valentine, uh, not to be confused with the ski resort, uh, which is also in Colorado, but I grew up there. I had a pretty traditional uh, childhood. I have um, two older brothers that are five and seven years older than me, um, who I remain very close to. But um, it was a very traditional childhood. In terms of government relations, I wouldn't say that I had a specific interest in it, but I did have opportunities for some of the extracurricular things that I was doing um, to be a part of the governor's task force um, on drug and substance abuse as one of the student members and some other programs around drunk driving, which was um, very popular topic at that time. So I think that was probably my introduction to policy and to government relations, even though I didn't probably recognize it at the time. Hmm. And during your school, um, what did you decide that you were going to be? I mean, usually, typically, students have like aspirations to be someone or something, right? Did you have any aspirations as such? Yeah, I mean, I started out actually, um, like I said, wanting to pursue a career in child psychology and went down that path for um, a very long time. And I did get my degree in psychology as well as political science. Um, But initially, I had started out in child psychology. Okay. And um, you also played around with politics, right? So political science. I mean, how did you combine those two? I mean, like, did you just go into one of those classes and you you loved it or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I was I, I initially went to the University of Oregon uh, to study child psychology. It was ranked really high in child psychology, um, but there was a professor there named. Professor Klonowski, who I remember very well, Um, he was an older man who had served in both the Korean War and World War II. Um, He was also very politically uh, active and an advocate himself. 
Um, his heroes, I remember, were uh, Franklin Roosevelt and um, Joe uh, DiMaggio, the baseball player. Um, and he walked into class every day. And I took his class initially just to fill a you know requirement uh, for, I think it was social sciences or something. And um, he, part of your... Uh, your textbooks was to read the New York Times every day. And so he would walk in with the New York Times underneath his arm every day. Um, and he would start discussing some political issue that was in the paper. And then I know, I remember he'd always say, I didn't say it, they did. It's just the way things are. <laughs> um, but, but the way you were really graded, graded was that you had to have um, thoughts and ideas and a point of view and ability to articulate that was how you were graded. It wasn't necessarily what the thought or idea was, but did you have one and could you articulate it? And that got my interest in political science. And so I took all of his classes and decided to double major um, in political science and then did an internship my last year in college at the state Senate for the chair of the state um, Senate Health Committee. So and that's was... how I started. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And this was all in Oregon? All in Oregon. Um, oh, okay. And that state senator, uh, his brother happened to be a congressman. So that opened the path for me to go to D.C. after I um, graduated from college. Oh, so you moved on to D.C. And what did you do in D.C.? Uh, I started as an intern in the congressman's office, and I was there for a short period of time um, in the congressional office. But I spent 20 years in D.C., so I did kind of went back and forth between state affairs and federal affairs and spent time as both a state lobbyist and a federal lobbyist, but all in healthcare. Oh, interesting. And what was your experience like working in at the DC? Any, anything, you know, any experiences you can share or what was, um, what was your, um, you know, what are the takeaways of working there? Oh, I have so many great takeaways from that experience. Um, it really was a large part of my career, but I think that one, the experience that you get there um, doesn't compare to anywhere else, um, but you also get opportunities that you wouldn't have anywhere else. And I think I have a greater appreciation for them now than I, I even did at the time. But I think that um, you know, to be able to be at bill signings at the White House, to be able to go to a inauguration, to to get to do those things, um, a state of the union address. I mean, just things that, that are, um, not everybody gets to do. And, um, but also what I learned and the people that I worked with and learned from, um, was incredibly valuable to me. Yeah. I actually encourage anybody who's wants to go into government affairs to do both state and federal, because some of the tactics are different, um, that you'll learn and, and so to have that combination and to be able to utilize them in both places is incredibly valuable. So I say, go do your time in DC, um, not to mention, it's just, you're going to have experiences of a lifetime. And did you meet any famous personalities while you were at the Capitol? In terms of legislators? Um, legislators, polit politicians, anyone? Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, we had I had opportunities um, to meet President uh, w George W. Bush, um, President Obama, um, Senator Kennedy worked very closely with him and his staff for uh, on a number of issues. So, um, yeah, a lot of different personalities, for sure. That's awesome. Did you get pictures, too? I do have some pictures, but not, um, not, not a, probably some of my should, but, but yeah, definitely got some pictures that, that, uh, 
are actually behind me here in this. Um, <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's behind me here. So uh, something that I'll always take with me for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So what happened after you worked at DC? Then I moved um, to North Carolina full time. So, and I've been in this role for six years doing um, state affairs and business development, we call. So it's sort of, again, that interaction between state affairs and and business and where they really come together, which, again, um, I think stems from just years of both political and policy work. Hmm. So you were working in the healthcare space when you were in D.C. too, am I right? Yes. So oh. I worked for uh, one... Um, company, one healthcare company, but I also worked for a lot of associations. Um, and I worked for the trade association for the health insurance industry. So one of the largest um, trade associations at the time and most probably influential uh, at the time. And, and association work is something I also encourage people to do. I think the skill sets you learn there in terms of being able to get to consensus um, and lead a team of people um, in policy development is really valuable. And could you, um, can you please tell us like, how did you fall into this healthcare space? It really started when I worked for, um, way back when I did my internship. So when I worked in this, um, as an intern in Oregon, it was for the chair of the Senate health committee. And so, um, and he was excellent in terms of, of giving me opportunities. And in Oregon, you actually, at that time, I don't know if it's still this way today, you actually could sit on the floor next to your member at his desk during session. So I was hearing all those conversations and following along with the bills. And so when I moved to DC, I did start out in an internship position, but quickly took a job um, at a smaller trade association in state affairs doing uh, just pharmacy issues. And so that really then solidified my interest in healthcare. And I think given that psychology background too, I sort of had an interest in health to begin with. And so they, they kind of went together and, and then I just continued to follow that healthcare path. Cause I think once you're really in an industry, um, you know, I kind of advise people choose an industry you enjoy and learn everything you can about that because, um, that, that knowledge of that industry is what's going to make you not just a good lobbyist, but a great lobbyist. Good answer. So after you worked at the DC, you got an opportunity to move to North Carolina. Do you, um, do you have any family here or like, you know, you thought like, you know, you'd like to explore this area? Yeah. So um, when I first moved here, I did not have any family here, uh, but my brother, my oldest brother has, and his family have since moved here. So um, they're very close by. And then I have a cousin here and one that lived here who just moved. So um Got actually have quite a bit of family in the area. And yeah. I think North Carolina, you're right, in terms of exploring it, um, you know, you can you can be at the beach or you can be in the mountains in just a matter of hours. And so um, I think it has a lot to offer and and thing other states are close by. You know, there's you can go to Charleston, you can go to Savannah. There's just there's just so many opportunities to to go places here. <laughs> so what is it? Uh, what do you do on a typical day? You're at Anthem right now. Can you just walk us through a typical day in your life? Um, sure. I mean, I think a lot of it is spent um, on the 
policy side um, and the business side. So really taking what's happening at the state level and what does that mean for the business um, and helping sort of be that gap between the two to kind of explain what's happening, then taking what's happening at the business and explaining that to legislators, right? So, and, and, and explaining what the impact of their policy decision would have on affordability and access to healthcare um, is a large part of what I probably spend my time on throughout the day. And um, is there any favorite issue you have worked on or you're currently working on? Um, I spent a lot of time on government programs, um, particularly Medicaid. Um, and I think that is, I, I like that because it's complex. I think when I look at the, just back at the course of my career, a lot of it has been spent on really developing new insurance markets, if you will. Um, and obviously North Carolina has kind of gone through that with Medicaid managed care. And so it's, you know, how do we, how do we develop basically a new public private insurance market? And, and I like the complexities of that. I like the fact that, um, there's a lot of moving parts and it also involves the entire healthcare system and every aspect of it, which, you know, the people we serve are touched by every aspect of that healthcare system. So you really have to look at that. And I think the emphasis on whole person health today in terms of behavioral health, what we call social determinants of health, food insecurity, housing, all of that, um, I find really interesting because I think that that is the future of where our country's headed. What advice would you share to um, someone who wants to get into government relations, um, is there any, are there any do's and don'ts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would actually share probably three things. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people say, well, do internships, go to DC or not. Um, and I think all that's really important. But I think what's really important is sort of what you do once you have that first or second job. And, and I think I referenced to some of that earlier when I said, you know, I think it's a good idea to, to try to get both state and federal experience. Um, and, and not only does that help teach you different tactics and things, but from an industry perspective, you know, now know how that industry is regulated from the top all the way down to the local level. Um, and that's really important. I think the second piece would be familiarize yourself with what I call are the three P's because every good political strategy should have three P's, a political piece, a policy, and then the public affairs or public relations piece, which I think is a growing part of government relations. I will say the best advice I got when I was starting out from one of my mentors was the political side or political instincts, if you will, can't really necessarily be taught. It's either something you have or you don't to a certain extent. And if you have that, you can learn the policy. And if you learn the policy, you're going to be really valuable. Or some people, some people will go purely policy, purely political. But if you can combine those two, that's going to get you in the room when that bill's being written or that deal's being done. That's probably some of the best advice I got. And then the public affairs piece, I think, is a growing part of government relations. It's grassroots, what we call grassroots, grass tops. 
Um, and of course the, the PR piece, especially with, with just the explosion of social media, that, that creates a lot of options, um, in ways, but I think at the end of the day, as much as made about political contributions, legislators don't care more about anything. They, they care the most about what their constituents think. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, um, you know, leverage those voices, um, with legislators is becoming really important. So. I've had an opportunity to work with some great strategic communications people that have taught me a lot. Um, and I think just, just knowing how to identify those people that can help you in that area is really important. And then I think the third piece is not, it's reputation, but I think it's more than that. Somebody explained it to me once as a brand, and <laughs> you thinking about yourself as a brand, which it is, it's more than just your reputation. It's, you know, trust is really important. Authenticity um, that, that what you're saying is sincere and true for a legislator to understand that. Um, and of course, your experience and that knowledge and the policy to be able to be that resource to them that we talked about when it comes to the relationship piece. Nice. So I think those are the three areas I would encourage people to focus on. Nice. Very good answer. You had mentioned that you had a mentor in your life. Um, if someone listening to this would like to have you as their mentor, uh, what would be the best way to reach you? Um, I would have them reach out to you and have them um, provide you with my email address. Um, actually, I really do enjoy talking to people who are looking to do this or maybe somewhere in their career right now, like, how do I take that next step? Um, I really do actually um, enjoy talking to those people. So if they wanted to reach out, I would I would welcome that for sure. Awesome. With that, we move on to the last segment where you can tell us anything about your future um, or your organization, you would like to promote anything, it's all yours. It's all mine. <laughs> well, you set me up actually pretty nicely for that because I have been actually looking at this um, area you just mentioned about you know how to help other people that are in their careers wanting to take that next step, um, whether that be lobbying or anything else. And so I'm very excited, but, but I, I'm not quitting my day job. I'm very much still um, doing my day job, but um, but I do enjoy that kind of thing. And so I would welcome an opportunity to do that or to do any kind of, um, I enjoy doing speaking engagements and that kind of thing. Nice. Anything about your organization you would like to talk or in closing remarks? Um, well, I mean, I'll just say that out of all the organizations, and this is, this is a sincere statement. Um, I, my time at Elevance has been my favorite. Um, I think part of that's the people that I work with, but I also think I do believe it's, um, what we're doing here, particularly for those that are most vulnerable, um, is the most meaningful. You know, we talked about the investment in programs related to social determinants of health um, and that focus on whole person care. So um, so I actually f- feel honored to, to work for them and, and hope to continue to for, for a long time. Excellent. That's a great way to end this amazing conversation, Kelly. You definitely are one of the nice ones. Thanks for being here. Thank you.